Every career is a journey. Every leader has a story. Welcome to Journey to the Energy C-Suite, where we look at the strategies and techniques that turn solid leaders into top executives. This is your place to hear practical wisdom and guidance from real people who know what it takes. With your host, Ryan Sanford. Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Journey to the Energy C-Suite. I am your host, Ryan Sanford. Thank you again for pushing that play button and tuning in to the Oil & Gas Global Network. I'm excited to bring on a guest today to help us think about how CEOs and leadership teams can really drive higher performance. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Wes Parker. Wes has over 30 years of experience in the human performance industry. He's got a doctorate degree and two masters. He has copious certifications and awards in the training industry. Uh, he is currently a principal at M-Link Technology Serpa Coaching in Aptara. Wes, thanks for joining our show. Hey, Ryan, and thanks for allowing me to share some uh, critical information with your CEOs today. You know, Energy Energy, uh, Energy, uh, C-Suites I collaborate with and have collaborated with in the past have found it very helpful uh, for me to give them the inside scoop on six power functions within their company and, and that once correctly applied are real performance and competitive differentiators. Uh, directly growing the bottom line. So exciting to be here, exciting to uh, help some CEOs out on, in the in the field. Well, we're excited too. You know, we're all about giving our leaders practical ideas on how to make this stuff work and also see a return on yes. the investments that we make in people, uh, whether that's training or coaching or any other uh, endeavors that we, that we invest in. And so you mentioned power functions. Let's go ahead and get into it. What are the power functions that you're talking about? Well, sure. And and when I first mentioned these, initially, I find executives tend to have them in a box and think they're already know everything about them. And, and because every minute of their time is critical, they initially tune out. Well, I want to challenge those listening today to listen through to the end at our time together. We're going to share some things that will completely change your paradigms in these critical areas. And they include that the secrets people within these areas don't always want to tell you about uh, I'll give you one example, kind of tease you a little bit, such as in, it's a very little secret of the training industry that an average of 80% of training fails. But what's needed to flip that to 100% is known by the industry. It's just not always practiced, certainly not always demanded by the C-suite who doesn't know better. And so uh, listen to the end. And the power functions I'm going to share the insider secrets about are organizational development, training, full learning transfer model, change management, coaching, and measurement. All right. A lot to unpack today. So I'm excited to get into this. You mentioned organizational development first. Um, Obviously, that that can be a function within a company. There there are organizational development professionals, and sometimes companies have an org development group. Um, Help us understand what you're talking about in this sense for CEOs when you say organizational development. Sure. You know, before I jump into that, you mentioned my background, and I want to kind of reinforce that for the listeners today. I'm going to be sharing with you critical things to the performance of your company and to the bottom line of your company. And you know, if we want to learn something critical, we all want to learn that from the best and most credible source. As Ryan, uh, you've said, I have 30 years 
experience. It's backed up by formal education. I've been awarded the top 125 training awards seven year, years in a row, first place twice. Been recognized by other awards. And I say that all to not shine a spotlight on me, but rather to assure your listener that what you're about to receive today is truly the latest best practices as also proved by extensive in-the-field experience. And also, I'm a, a fanatic about keep constantly looking for the latest best practices as things change constantly, uh, giving me and now you all a uh, real competitive advantage. Now, back to your question on organizational development. Let's unpack that. In plain language, organizational development, also called organizational effectiveness, performance consulting, and why it's critical for you, the CEO, to know and use. Now, on a continual basis, I see a lack of understanding about OD that keeps it shrouded in mystery. And I think it's maybe because it sounds so theoretical, when in fact, it is so everyday practical and critical to everything you do and want to do in your company. And due to this, people and the organizations they inhabit are kept from receiving the vital help that OD can provide, help in making them a success in whatever endeavor, whatever industry uh, you're in. So let's talk about how it's critical to everything in the company. All performance within a company, everything that everyone does every day, can be reduced to an action and an outcome. Now, each of those can be measured and has a business and financial impact. We don't do that for all. We do it for the most important. But 100% of all the various actions that all the employees and leaders do every day fall within OD. And so you can see it's huge potential area of impact. And the purpose of which is to continually improve those actions, those outcomes, resulting in improved performance and business financial metrics. But it's a, it's a practical process. You just simply measure the current performance compared to the best that can be done, you know, benchmarking or your desired performance. Identify the performance gap, and there's almost always a gap. If there's not, you can innovate. But there's almost always a gap. And then you identify the possible causes of that gap, and there's always multiple causes and the real causes. And you do that by the five whys. Can't tell you how many times, uh, almost all the time I'm brought in, they say, Hey, here's the solution we need. And I, so I back them up. I said, well, what's happening? What's, and they give me the problem. And I say, well, what's the cause of that? And they, and they haven't thought deeper. They've given me the first idea. And so I use a simple tool called the five whys. Well, why is that happening? Okay. Well, why is that happening? And it won't take time today, but have hundreds of stories where that uncovers the real cause. And then you look for solutions called interventions uh, within the OD practice that address these causes. You implement them, and then you remeasure uh, the performance to make sure the gap has closed, the performance has improved, and the solutions were the correct ones. Now, a regular company-wide audit can be conducted to identify the biggest potential gaps that have the largest potential impact. And I say that those two things differently uh, because you can have a large gap that when closed only makes $10,000 for your company. 
why another relatively small gap when closed will make a million dollars for your company. And then you prioritize that list of, of uh, needs, you know, top to bottom. And not only that, uh, you can teach this process so every leader in your company, you, you don't have to have a special OD department. It really should be something leadership can do all the time. Hey, what's my de- where are my measurements? What are my desired? Is there a gap? What's the causes? So a very practical process with an incredible impact. I'll give you one example. It could give you thousands. About, oh, I would say a generation or so ago, the big three automotive producers controlled the U.S. auto market. Uh, when approached to implement OD, they initially declined. In contrast, those processes were immediately implemented by their foreign counterparts. And not many decades later, due to its implementation by foreign competition, the big three had just a small lead in only one of the many auto industry segments like trucks. One of the big three at that time became foreign owned, one threatened bankruptcy, and one announced layoffs and plant closing, all in just one generation and due to lack of or misuse of OD. You can tell I get excited about this. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, Wes. No, this is great stuff. Um, when, when we think about OD, there are a lot of tools in the toolbox that yes. really good OD people can bring to the table. And we, traditionally, we think of like training and maybe some leaders to, to their own fault sometimes think, oh, training is, is the, the be all end all to fix oh, yes. any yeah, yeah. issues that I have. But yeah. there, there's really a, yes. a, a bigger a bigger set of tools that we have. You like to think of them as performance solutions. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that. Sure. And, and, and you're right. You know, uh, that's passing slowly. They th- thought training would fix everything. And again, I could share you great stories of they've trained certain people that people are having, say, being out of audit uh, audited and being out of compliance. And they would train them and they were still out of compliance. And they, they were literally bringing me in and asking me to train them a fourth or fifth time. And I hadn't trained them the first three times. And the area lied in another area such as, as motivation. We changed that and went from 70% out of compliance to just 1% out of compliance uh, within a week. So a uh, huge impact having the right performance solution. Now, 20% of your, of your solutions fall within training, but the others are, are vast and varied. And we usually divide them into, you know, ones for the in total organization or business unit, you know, stra- strategic planning, uh, uh, communi- corporate communications, uh, things like that that can help. And then you get down to the team level. Uh, high performance teams, uh, meeting facilitation, team assessment, things like that. The individual, individual development. And then finally, uh, you know, all the other areas, uh, oh, what would be some, you know, having the right uh, 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 meeting design. Oh, I already said that. Experiential learning design, um, industry knowledge, things like that. So they're divided in those areas, but there's literally hundreds of different solutions and and it as as many problems as you have there are many solutions and again about 20 percent do fall within training yeah i mean you mentioned earlier that 80 percent of our training efforts fail oh, to yes, achieve the results we have maybe help us understand what you've seen that's uh, making it fail on such a high rate sure sure well i'll unpack this a little bit back up a bit uh, the, the sure the purpose of of all trainings to provide a person with the missing competencies knowledge, skills, attitudes, uh, so they can then apply it and do something uh, in the business world, something critical to their job, their performance. 
and ultimately to the bottom line of the company. Well, there are technical competencies and training, you know, hard skills, such as how to know how to use a certain software, and non-technical competencies and training, uh, soft skills, such as knowing how to clearly communicate so the company doesn't lose a million dollars by a decision based on a miscommunication. I've seen it happen. Uh, competencies and training, or the lack of them, is responsible for about 15 to 20% of all the performance and resulting bottom line of the company. So imagine the impact to the bottom line when up to 80% of that training is missing or fails, you know, especially when companies are fighting for every percentage point of revenue and profits. But again, we saw that. Now, so the, the problems usually lay throughout the learning system. And the closer, though, you get to the learning event, there's things that are more important. And, and we solve the things that make, it, make training fail by using the full learning transfer model and the full change management model to ensure success. You know, and for a very reasonable added effort, you can move from a substantial failure rate, you know, costing you probably 10 to 15% of your bottom line uh, to near 100% success rate. And, and I'll briefly tell you how, but again, imagine the benefits to you, your company's performance, customers, and business impact. It's just one of the secrets. I, I, I wish I could have live TV across the world and help everyone out with this. And I, I have lost count regarding how many times we've been asked to help a company with some new training, say for a software imp implementation. And in my analysis, I discovered that this is the third or fourth training or even software implementation the company's attempted to do for the same function, same reason. Hmm. Yeah, and whenever the user adoption or any performance area was poor, it was always presumed it was the wrong software or new process or training. And so they switch to yet another software or yet train again and again because it was incorrectly done and uh, the full learning transfer model not used, change management model not used, nothing ever changes. A, a vice president is fired, a new one brought in, they repeat the process. Now, yeah. uh, go ahead, please. Yeah, go ahead. And you had you had an additional thought before I yeah, ask my next question. Yeah, just a, a thought here. Linking, I want to link this also to performance and employee engagement. You know, being competent and capable is one of the four internal motivators that drive performance in indiv individuals and high performance. You know, that, those things people do when the leader isn't watching, and that also drives an employee engagement. So. You know, taking care, uh, making your people more capable, succeeding instead of failing in training, you know, you, not just a checklist, but it actually changes things, drives the internal motivators of your people. They work harder, stay longer, increases employee engagement. Yes. Now your next question. Next question. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 the thought you just gave, you know, really does resonate with me when I when I think about a lot of leaders, um, senior leaders, you know, they do have a training department or an OD department. And, and sometimes they can fall into the trap of thinking, well, um, training our people, focusing on the soft skills, looking at competencies, that's the job of my org development. They'll, they'll take care of it. And uh, it's not really my job. And yeah, what right. you're saying is what you're saying is that there's a lot of power when CEOs and executive teams actually pay attention to this stuff and make sure that their their fingerprints are on it. And then trusting the uh, the well-trained org development folks that that have deeper expertise to to actually uh, execute against those different programs. Absolutely. They have to use it as as much as they can, much more than they're doing. 
and and be the key sponsorship for it. It is a huge differentiator. I can show you J curve after J curve in growth and in revenue and in profits when these things are done correctly. All right. Well, you mentioned a couple of models and we love yes. models in the org development world. So you mentioned the full, the <laughs> full learning. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, full learning transfer model. Let's talk about that one first. Sure. And, and, and you know, I want to be careful about theories and models because it's, it's got to be action and practical, but I, I do need to unpack this a little bit first. Uh, there are three main areas within the full learning transfer model that drive uh, training effectiveness, instructional design, how it's fitted to the organization and how the learner is taken into account over and over. When these three are addressed, training's impact can be improved as much as, a, oh, almost 200%. Addressing the learner can impact the training effectiveness 70%. Uh, about uh, design is about you know, 30, 40% of that. And then alignment within the organization is about 25% of that. I'm not adding up the numbers correctly, but you know, off the top of my head, uh, that's the biggest uh, to the smallest impact on the overall change. Now, uh, addressing the la- learner can be like, you know, making sure it matches the learner's career goals, learner motivation. Uh, you know, the instructional design we all know about, making it interactive, uh, making it, it as much like on-the-job performance in the training as they can. Um, and then like ID or design, or excuse me, organizational alignment, um, it's peer and leader support, culture, connection to the job. Now, let's get practical, though. How do you do these things? The training initiative needs to begin by identifying a senior leader to sponsor the message about the training and why it's important. A second communication is sent to the lear- learner's leader, repeating about the training and why it's important. Uh, so step two there, different parts of the training program, the critical importance to meet with a, the learner before and after the training. Now, during the meeting that the leader has with the learner before the training, the leader discusses, hey, here's the training, why it's important, different parts of the training. I expect you to take it. I expect you to come back with action items. And then, and here's really the most important because it helps important part because it helps with trainer motivation. They say, what do you think, where do you think we are today uh, in this subject? How does that affect our clients, our customers, our team? How does it affect you? Mm. What if we close this gap? What if we improve this area? What would that mean to the client, the customer, the department, the team, to you? And really let them say, well, maybe I wouldn't be up two o'clock in the morning with a knot in my stomach because I <laughs> don't know how to coach. You know, that kind of thing. So that's a huge part is is the pre-meeting. Also, uh, they there can be pre-work that precedes a training event, such as oh, a video and fill out a she- uh, worksheet about it. Then the main live training event uh, takes place, you know, interactive, uh, as close to the real thing as you can get. Uh, there are you know, all kinds of things. I think we all know about how to make effective live events. So I won't go into that. The leader then meets with the learner after the training. Hey, what did you learn? What are your action steps? Also, by the way, right now you have new resources available to you, a 24-7 site that you can use for just-in-time training. You'll also start getting 
uh, emails that remind you or on your phone or in your email about uh, some of the key learnings, concepts you've learned, all to help reinforce your training, help it stick. But I'm going to monitor your training, I'm going to, uh, your new uh, skills. Uh, I'll coach you where you need it. You might have to go back for training, but it, I'm sure you'll be able to do it, and I'll reward and recognize you. By the way, this will go on your yearly uh, you know, evaluation as well. And then you build out that site, uh, you know, a website that they can go to for all the key learnings and tools 24-7. You build out the uh, remediation. Sounds like a lot of work, but it really isn't. You know, once you build that uh, live learning event, you take, uh, you build out a couple communications on the front, a couple uh, quick reference guides to help the leader before and after uh, the learning event. Uh, and then you take from that, that learning event all the key tools and learnings and you put them on a website and you uh, make cut, chunk them up for remediation. You know, about one a day for the first week and once a week after. So a little bit extra work because most of the work is building the, the learning event. So for just a little bit extra work, you'll go from near 80% failure in changing performance to near 100% success. And, and let me be clear. Of the 20% that do succeed, even though 80% fail, they only succeed about improving performance about halfway. So don't think that, oh, I have at least a one in five chance of, of my training working. <laughs> it, it's not quite like that. It's about one in 10 or so. And so just spend the extra day or two it takes to do the full learning transfer model. Yeah, love the model. Uh, you also mentioned the change management model. Let's oh, talk yes. about that one. Yeah, thank you for uh, I I uh, forgot about that, and that's equally as important. So now you're aware you must use the full learning transfer model to go from high failure rate to 100% success rate. Get the performance increase. Get the in increased business metrics, increased bottom line. But change management best practices must also be used because training, all training, is a change initiative. And without those best practices in the training industry, about 70% of training of change initiatives fail. Software impl implementations, trainings, things like that, they fail. But knowing these best practices, they succeed. The, and I have people, once I've taught them a full learning transfer model and I bring up change management model, they go, oh, my head's spinning. I can't take <laughs> any more. I'll do it next year. I say, no, 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 no. I, I've, I've kind of been pulling their leg. It is critical. But the good news, change management best practices are almost identical to the full learning transfer model. They, they include uh, developing and implementing the following plans. A key sponsor, remember we talked about that, uh, getting a key sponsor for communication. And then a communication plan, talked about that. Training plan, talked about that. Coaching plan, and then resistance management. Now, the coaching was talked about, the leader has to you know, be in there before and after the training event and then uh, with meetings and then after that monitor performance. The only uh, fifth bullet or fifth point, the resistance is the only thing that's different uh, from the, uh, between the change management and full learning. Both are needed, but they're almost identical. Thanks for reminding me about that, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, important point. Well, the one thing that's constant is change in our organizations, yeah. right? And so you better be yeah. good at managing that, whether it's the big C change or the little C changes yeah, that we manage on a weekly basis. Absolutely. Um, 
I want to I want to talk a little bit about the coaching aspect of this. When you and I oh, talked good. before, I loved good. your comment. You said, you know, if you aren't going to coach, then just don't train. And right. I, I think yeah. I think that's actually very accurate because uh, training could be seen as something that we uh, we're going to spend the money on it. We're going to send them to training. They'll get sheep dip. They'll be fixed. Uh, they'll be they'll be good to go. And then and now we're on to the next thing. And and, and I know and. and we're going to talk about this in a little more detail, just about the importance of coaching, ongoing coaching to actually make sure that the learning is sustained oh, yeah, and that the organization, the organization sees, um, you know, the ROI back, uh, on the job when these folks get back and, and start doing what you're paying them to do. Yes, absolutely. And I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a, that's a key item. And one of the ones we wanted to touch on today, you know, again, people have this idea you train and then here, check it off. But, and in fact, I wrote an article for a TD that said coach or don't train. I also posted it out on LinkedIn and I was th- thought everyone knew that. And I, ca- I had about 3000 shares and comments. It just blew up. Uh, it was like when I told uh, the, the new generation of trainers, 80 percent of your training doesn't work. It caused another big stir, but we showed them the research behind it. And so training a new generation, but on coaching. The leader is 70% of the impact on the direct reports performance after training. And I'm dead serious. It's not an attention grabber. If you do not have a good coaching culture by your leaders, don't bother training. It's a waste of time. Let the people just trying to figure out the thing on their own and, you know, they'll They'll <laughs> they'll do it half of all the effort you put into training and everything else. They'll do it half as good uh, because it, it's critical for that that leader to be uh, uh, to be a part of that. You know, studies rank receiving feedback from leaders is the number one request of employees, and the studies also rank giving feedback toward the bottom of le- what leaders like to do or, or do it all. And I think this is because leaders usually see giving feedback as something negative, and that causes conflict. However, feedback is not negative if given using an effective coaching model. In fact, I've actually heard people trying to teach this model by naming the course, having the difficult conversation. If you think it's a difficult conversation, you've already lost. Your mindset's Mm. wrong. If I care about that employee... If they're running towards a highway with a with a, a blindfold on, and I stop them, that's not negative. We're both happy, mm-hmm. and it's the same with this. Now, without an affecting coaching model, most coaching doesn't succeed. It can be a waste of time. So even if you want to do it, you have to have the right model. And so I'm going to give you a simple coaching model that incorporates best practices. Uh, you know, from all the best in class coaching experts. Now, of course, there's some more details than we can go over today, but this will get you started. Okay, Each day, as you observe performance, and you should be doing it all the time, and you see performance that needs improvement as soon as you can, uh, and in private, in, when appropriate, and that's mostly inappropriate, uh, but convey your positive intent, step one. Step two, describe specifically what you observed. Three, state the impact of the behavior. Four, ask the other person to respond with their thoughts. And of course, you know, you have things you, if they don't guess what they need to do, you have things in your pocket ready to share. And then focus the discussion on solutions, not on anything else, just on solutions, next steps. For example, uh, Joseph, 
I, I want to come over here a second. I want to help you improve your, your performance. I observed you haven't addressed your employees missed deadline. Uh, as a leader, I imagine this can keep you up at night. You get frustrated. And it also, it results in lower metrics, demotivates the good and high performance on your team. Uh, why do you think you haven't been addressing this? And what are you planning to do to start doing that? And then you be quiet. And then you work through and you come out with some action items, you know, what I'm going to do and when, and you check back with them. So, and I love this quote I, I often associate with, uh, with, uh, with feedback. You know, if you go to a second rate place and you're a, a first rate person, it is very difficult. Actually, it's impossible to do first rate work because you don't get that critical feedback you need to do need mm. you know, on a daily basis for first rate work. So the, uh, thank you for the coaching question. Just critical. Uh, uh, huge insight for CEOs. They must have a they must require a coaching program and enable it to be done. Yeah, and I, I, I'm totally on board with that model. I, I know that a lot of CEOs uh, in the past have you know, gotten ready to write the check for a big training and development program, and then all of a sudden, they start looking at, oh, my, my senior leaders are going to have to take part in this as a coach, <laughs> and they realize pretty quickly that they're not good coaches. You know, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're great leaders in their functional area but, or their business unit, but you know, we've got we've to pause this for a moment. And let's make sure that that all of our senior leaders are, are able to execute a, a really high quality coaching model, so that the people we're investing in can actually get the value out of it. So that might be step one. Yeah, yeah, uh, for organizations, right? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, the senior leader. In fact, the CEO himself has to model this behavior. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's in the moment, or in a CEO board, a C-suite board uh, meeting when they're port- reporting out their metrics. So you're right. It has to be modeled from the top. Excellent point. Yeah. Now, the, the last thing we're going to talk about today, and this is a big one, and it's probably the one that I see lacking the most in in a lot of training programs that I see, and that's measurement. Yeah. Um, a lot oh, of good. times, you spend a ton of money, a lot of time, a lot of organizational elbow grease goes into these to these really important programs. And at the end of the day, the greatest measure of success we have are the smile sheets that the facilitator leaves behind. Well, people had a good time. They liked it. They completed it. Um, they, they thought the facilitator was funny or he did a great job or yeah, she, yeah. she, she yes. kept my attention. Well, I like the online platform. Um, but that's not really getting at the kind of measurement that you're talking about. Why don't you help us understand a little bit more about how to effectively measure the ROI on our training interventions? Yeah, great. Thank you again for, for bringing this up. You know, there's a basic business foundational principle that if you don't measure something, it can't be managed. Uh, that's true for sales. It's true for customer service. It's true for ops. And it's true for every department in the company. Yet still, training is not measured to the level it should be and must be by most organizations, either because executives and senior leaders don't know about it or think about it uh, incorrectly. Like, you know, you've heard B, C, and D leaders think this way. Uh, A leaders don't and make sure things happen. I, I shared the the that little item about or the, some of the things I was saying about measurement to a senior leader from a major international manufacturing firm. And he replied, well, I'd rather be in a company where leaders just assumed training was working. And I said, okay, wait a second, replace the word training with sales and then say it 
replacing training with ops. Well, I'd rather be in a company where leaders just assumed sales was working. Well, I'd rather be in a company where leaders just assumed operations was working or customer mm. service. You'd be fired. You'd be fired as a leader. Yet it's common for them to accept that within training, even though training is a, a great investment effort and, uh, uh, you know, to get it done. And so, uh, Knowing the impact of 100% successful training on a company, uh, it it's critical to know where where you are in that scale. Uh, you know, once you um, once you have everything in place and, and make sure it works, you know, it, it's a journey, so it doesn't come about right away. So you can measure it along the way. Well, let let me share uh, a little bit. Let me unpack that a little bit more. And Ryan, you can go back and add, great. So share with the CEO what they expect and demand. <laughs> <laughs> so measure, measurement's about improving impact across the enterprise. What I'm sharing with you today is from the very best sources, the founders of training and measurement, Donald Kirkpatrick, Jack Phillips. So first, why measure? Well, we're in training because we want to help people to change their behavior in order to achieve desired business results. Both they and we should want to know whether that's being done. You know, we want to know whether we're successful. And then business 101, as I said before, without measurement, there's no management. So, you know, that very simple, very uh, practical. Why measure? There's measurement levels. Uh, now, you spoke uh, about one. You know, trainers have had the opportunity to measure uh, since, oh, I guess the mid-70s, uh, levels one through four, and I'll unpack that in a second, and level five since the, the 90s. The reason they don't always is it's not demanded of them because they don't think like business people, because um, they think it's too much time and effort. But everything I'm about to share with you can be done by one person, uh, probably half day a month. I know because I've done it. Level zero is participant data such as who's coming, you know, uh, where the, what function they're in, what location. Now, why is that important? Well, you need to know how many people are coming to training for cost and all like that. But an actual example, I had a VP in, in a large company call me and said, listen, I want you to set, shut down this training. It's, it's not working. And while I was talking on the phone, I said, oh, that's, that's terrible. Let me uh, tell me more. And while I'm doing that, I'm looking up the data because I have the data in place. And it comes to find out none of his people went to the training. And I said, well, <laughs> where have you heard this? And so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, well, according to my records, no one in your, in your area has come to our training. And let me tell you, the others who have, and I share with him all the other data, how it improved you know, the lives of all the other VPs. And I was about on a call about two weeks later, and someone who was not politically intelligent in the room said to the VP, isn't that the one you told none of us, none of us should take because none of us had time. <laughs> and I just was quiet and didn't say anything. So even level zero has value uh, to the training and to the business to capture that who's coming. Level one is participant reaction. It's called a smiley sheet. If that's all you do, it's not really that good. There's actually things you can do. Uh, it, they tell you about the course, the course design, the facilitator, yes, but it's very important in improving all this and improving your training and its impact. Level two is the amount of learning. Sometimes if there's stuff they can know a little bit about, you'll do a pre-test, post-test very quickly. 
you know, takes a couple minutes pre and post, and you know how much knowledge increases. Or you can just have a post test uh, to assure they've mastered it. And then on the job application done about three weeks or three months after best practices show either they apply it a lot and then it mellows out or they don't apply it and realize, oh, I'm in trouble and need to apply it. And about three months afterwards, uh, you're able to do a, a quick assessment is it being used in the job. If so, what, what's helped it be, uh, to be used and what's not helped it to be used, what's worked against it and continue to improve. And then about six months later, the business impact that you hope for. The beginning of training, it starts with a problem. Remember the performance gap? Well, six months later, did we close that gap? Do now people know how to use that software? Do they know how to coach? And so that gap has closed. And then what's the business impact, the ROI, number five? Yes, you can do ROI. Now, you don't want to do level four and five for every course. It's a little bit more effort. I actually automate it, and so I was able to do four and five, all these on a 100%. But usually you do 100% of, you know, who's there, the reaction, uh, a little bit less on amount of learning on the job application, and then uh, uh, less still, you know, 20 or 30% of your high uh, visibility projects. And, and that's at a high level, you know, what you measure, why, when you measure it, and why you measure it. And it's simple. You set up roles about the measurement process, create the assessments, gather the data, report the data. And, uh, you know, I, I would take a pulse of a, a course across the enterprise, maybe once a month, uh, pull all that data and within an hour, be able to put it in a nice quick reference guide, one page, two pages at the very top. It just said, hey, this made the company this much money. Your people reported that they were applying this at this much on the job and at this level of effectiveness. And then I start reporting all the other things, you know, the levels uh, 54321 after that. So any leader can come in in two seconds, pick it up and go, they've got it or they don't, they don't have it or they're on their way to having it. And uh, so that's a little bit about measurement. And once you have that, it's a continual process of improvement and uh, get, and uh, increasing your effectiveness, thus increasing the performance, the business metrics, the revenue, and the uh, bottom line. Well, that is great stuff. Wes, we covered a lot of ground today. Sure so why, why don't we summarize, <laughs> because you went through the power functions and, and uh, yes. people may want to pause and rewind a few times because there's a lot of wisdom that you shared with us today. Why don't you Good. give us a quick review again of the, the power functions that you mentioned? Sure. Organizational development, training, full learning transfer model, change management model, coaching, and measurement. Great. We're going to put some links in the show notes and we'll have a, a summary of those power functions in there as well. And if you want to get in touch with Wes, we'll put a, a link to his uh, LinkedIn as well. If you want yes. to reach out to him and learn more, or have a conversation about anything that we talked about today, feel free to do that. Wes Parker, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of your wisdom of 30 years of helping <laughs> CEOs and executive teams get their great. people working better. Want to help. Want to help, Brian. Thanks for having me. Glad it was helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. And thank you again for listening to Journey to the Energy C-Suite. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you access uh, the podcast. Oh, also wanted to mention, if you're looking for a co-working space, the official co-working partner of the OGGN 
is the Cannon in West Houston. If you want to stop by the Cannon, just walk to the front desk and mention OGGN or mention Journey to the Energy C-Suite podcast. They will give you a free day pass to work from there. So make sure you take advantage of that. We will be back again soon with some more interviews for you. Until then, have a great one, everybody. Tune in next week for another enlightening episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.